Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda. Amma ba'd. My dearly respected brothers and sisters, we begin by welcoming you all tonight to this uh, event and we welcome our beloved Sheikh and guest tonight, Sheikh Abdullah, or what you know him as, Sheikh Abu Bakr. For those that don't know, his name is actually Abdullah. This is what his father named him. Welcome tonight, Sheikh. Barakallah fiqh. Tonight's topic, my dear brothers and sisters, is related to the family and the Muslim household. And we know that the Muslim home, it begins being built by marriage. Marriage is the first step towards a Muslim home. And the Sharia, the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, has emphasized the importance of both marriage and building a Muslim home. So our objective tonight is to shed some light on what a Muslim should expect when it comes to their future or their present in building their Muslim home. Because building the Muslim home, my brothers and sisters, is not limited to choosing the correct spouse. It is not limited to choosing the right spouse. But building a proper Muslim home is having the correct goals and aims in how you want your home to be conducted. And marriage has a number of objectives. When we get married in Islam, there is a checklist that we should be ticking in order to understand and implement how a Muslim home needs to be run. But marriage is the beginning, my brothers and sisters. That's where it starts. And the importance of marriage has been emphasized throughout the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And the proofs are many. From the greatest of proofs is the fact that when Allah Azza wa Jal created Adam alayhi salam, he right away created for him a wife. That's to show you the significance of having a partner in your life. Because this is how the home is built. And when the home is built correctly, the community is built correctly. That the importance of marriage can be seen just in that. That Allah Azza wa Jal did not leave Adam alayhi salam himself, but rather he created for him his wife. 
and also the fact that the Prophet and the Messengers all got married or at least the majority of them from what we know as Allah Azza wa Jal He said verily we send to you messengers or we send before you messengers and we made for them wives and offspring that the importance of marriage is shown throughout history. And this is from our deen, and it's the fitrah of mankind. It is from your fitrah to have a partner. And that's why in Islam we are encouraged to get married and we are ordered not to abandon marriage. And we should not abandon marriage. This is not from the qualities of Islam for those who are able to get married. For marriage, my brothers and sisters, it has a number of goals. And these are the things that we need to look for when we get married. So that we can achieve these things in our life. From the greatest of goals or benefits of marriage is Iman. Marriage in Islam has to be an increase of Iman for you. And this is what Allah Azza wa Jal and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam have taught us. In the hadith, Al-Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, marriage is half of your religion or half of the religion. So fear Allah with the remaining half. So when the Prophet ﷺ says that marriage is half of the deen, what this indicates to my dear brothers and sisters is that when a marriage is done correctly and sincerely for Allah, it will bring you closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because there are certain things in Islam there are certain worships in Islam you cannot achieve except when you are married. And that is why marriage is half of the religion. And if you think about worships, we can name many. For example, having children and raising them on the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. That's a worship. And you get rewarded for that. For there are acts of worship that you can't achieve except through marriage. Like having offspring and raising them on deen. Like feeding your wife a piece of food. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said it's an act of charity which you get rewarded for. And the list goes on. For marriage is half of the deen. So for the ones that are married or thinking of getting married, this should be one of, if not the main objective in life. That my marriage and my life should be a reason to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he told us what to look for when it comes to choosing a spouse. 
for this reason. Because marriage is half of the deen. So when it comes to choosing the spouse, you choose the spouse of deen. Because how else are you going to achieve that half? He said the lady's married for four reasons. Her wealth, her beauty, her lineage, and her religion. Choose the one with religion and you will be saved. Meaning you will accomplish this half. And he advised the lady the same thing. If he comes to you the one who you are satisfied with his religion and his character, then marry him. And if you do not so, if you do not do so, there will be much corruption on earth. For he's giving us the guideline in what to look for and in how to live our life. Because this is how the Muslim home is created. And this is how it is established upon the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal from the very beginning. And speak to anyone who did not have this as an objective before marriage and they got married and then when they tried to change things and fix things after they've gotten married, they find much difficulty in it. So rather than going through that difficulty in trying to change one another, we should be wise in our decisions beforehand. And that is why Fatima bint Qais radiallahu anha, when she informed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the two men that came to ask for her hand, Muawiyah radiallahu anhu and Abu al-Jaham, and Usama ibn Zayd, three. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he advised her to what to look for so that when she does get married, her deen is protected. And he said to her, Muawiyah radiallahu anhu is known not to have money. And Abu al-Jaham does not put his stick down from his women, marry Usama ibn Zayd. He knew he was most suitable. And Fatima herself, radiallahu anha, she said, when he said, to, when he said that to me, I made a gesture with my hand. In other words, Usama, no, I don't want Usama. So and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to, he gave her an advice. He said, obeying Allah and his messenger is better for you. She said, so I married Usama, and then I was envied by others regarding my marriage. She lived a very happy life. Now this shows my dear brothers and sisters, based on our topic tonight, that the Muslim home, its structure starts from the very beginning. It does not start later onwards. Also from the benefits and the goals of marriage, my dear brothers and sisters, is to build a family. Marriage serves the purpose of building families. And Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَعَاشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ فَإِن كَرِهْتُمُوهُنَّ فَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Allah Azza wa Jal gives a general advice to the men in this ayah. Live with your women folk in goodness. 
Why does Allah give this advice? Because that is what is it helps in protecting and building the home. Because this is what Islam calls for, to build a family. And that's why Allah tells the men, as an advice, live with your wives in goodness. And based on this very short verse, so much benefit and ahkam fall under it. And that is why the man does not oppress and he does not harm and he does not create a living hell for his wife in the house and so forth, based on this simple verse. Live with them in goodness. So Islam, the objective in marriage is to build a home and a family. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the dua of the believers. وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنَ the believers, they say, O oh Allah, grant us from among our wives and our offspring a joy to the eye, meaning happiness. Grant us happiness through what? Our wives and our children. This shows the objective of Islam, that your wife, your partner, your child should be a reason of happiness based on deen, on religion. And it's unfortunate when people find their spouse or their child to be a cause of misery. This is a proof that they've gone wrong somewhere in life. They've done something wrong. Maybe the aim, the objective from the beginning was incorrect. But when you have this insight, you understand the objective of our deen. It's to build a family. A family that brings one closer to Allah. And remember my brothers and sisters, a strong ummah is built by families. It's built by individuals. A strong ummah is not just one big structure, no. It's made up of bricks. And those bricks are the Muslim families. Now this is why Islam emphasizes on the importance of these things. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said خيركم 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 The best of you are the best to their wives, their families And I am best to my family To show that the objective of marriage Is to have good treatment at home To live comfortably at home Pleasing Allah azza wa jal Then we have the benefit of society See it grows, my dear brothers. Think of marriage as like a, that effect when you throw a rock in the pond. It starts small, then it gradually grows. So marriage will bring the benefit of the individual. Then it brings the benefit of a family. And then it brings the benefit of society altogether. And that is why and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he linked marriage to the increase of this ummah. And he said in the hadith, تزوجوا الودود الولود فإني مكاثر بكم يوم القيامة He said, marry, which type of lady? The wadud, 
which means the affectionate. Don't marry the dry lady. Marry the lady who is affectionate, who shows her love to her husband and to her children. Marry the affectionate and the one who bears a lot of children. Marry the one who is affectionate and bears a lot of children. Why, he said? Because I will boast my ummah on the Day of Judgment. So look, the entire ummah has been referred back to what? Choosing the right spouse. This shows the benefit and the outlook that Islam has towards marriage. So marriage is not only for yourself. Think of it as it's a benefit for your ummah. This is what Allah Azza wa Jal legislates. And then we also have the benefit of love and companionship. This is the individual benefit. The individual benefit. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمًا Allah Azza wa Jal says, and from his signs is that he created for you spouses, mates, that you may find tranquility in them. Look, the purpose of a spouse is what? To find tranquility in them, comfort. And he placed between you love and mercy. He, meaning who? Allah. He placed between you, the husband and the wife, love and mercy. And this is a huge lesson that teaches us we cannot achieve love and mercy in a marriage between one another except by pleasing Allah Azza wa Jal. If the home is far from Allah, it will be miserable. Allah has told us this. And how many people spend hundreds and thousands, if not millions of dollars trying to create happiness in their own home, but they can't achieve it. We know plenty of people. They say, no matter what I buy, no matter what I do, no matter what I get, we're not happy. Or my wife's not happy. Or my husband's not happy. No matter what I do. Then when you look into their life, they are far from Allah Azza wa Jal. And then you, you find the complete opposite. People that live a simple life, but they're happy. Because their relationship with Allah is close. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made it as simple as when he said to Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, when you enter your home, give salam to your family, Allah will put barakah between you. Look at that. He didn't say you need to do this and that and this and that. No. By simply giving salam when you enter your house, your house to your family is a cause of barakah in that home. For these are the, some of the things that we need to look out for when it comes to marriage, my dear brothers and sisters, and when it comes to your home in particular. You must have the aim and the goal to not only benefit yourself, but benefit your children, benefit your partner, and more importantly, to be a contribution towards the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We will now pass it over to our beloved Sheikh, Sheikh Abu Bakr.
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala May the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh May Allah Azza wa Jal reward you all for your attendance May Allah Azza wa Jal accept our gathering and forgive our sins and our shortcomings so as you heard, uh, Sheikh Muhammad began uh, tonight with uh, two important matters. The first is that the believer is supposed to have the right intentions when getting married, because marriage is a worship, so it has to, has the correct, has to have the correct intentions. And then the second thing, once you have the correct intentions, which you already heard, the second step now is to look for the righteous spouse. And there is extreme emphasis in the Qur'an with sunnah, concerning marrying the righteous person. Extreme emphasis. Yani Allah Azza wa Jalla says in the Quran, وَلَا أَمَةٌ مُؤْمِنَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِّن مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ Imagine this. Allah Azza wa Jalla himself is saying, if you are to marry a, a righteous slave, a slave woman, imagine a slave woman that is owned to a master, and for you to marry her, and she's a mu'minah, a righteous, upright woman, Allah Azza wa is the one who says, خَيْرٌ مِّن مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ It is much better for you than a mushrika, than a woman without deen, even if she impressed you. Even if she impressed you with her looks, even if she impressed you with her wealth, even if she impressed you with her lineage. This is Allah Azza wa guidance on the matter. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of course emphasized this matter. I tell you a story about a person who, he was true to himself from the very beginning. As he was growing up in his family's house, he saw his cousin, his, a woman, his cousin. And he said, I was impressed with her look. She looked pretty. So he had in his mind and in his heart an intention to marry her when they grow older. He says, he writes his story. He goes, when we grew older, I went to seek her in marriage. So he said that he got to them, to their house, and he engaged to her. Finally, a few days go by, he finds out that she wasn't a woman of deen. No Salat al-Fajr on time. She didn't have the deen that this person is supposed to be upholding and committed to. So he said, I got turned off from the marriage completely. I left her, and I completely closed the subject of marriage in my life. He says, years went by, and then he became eager to get married. And he refreshed this intention to get married. So he conditioned upon himself, I will not marry except for a righteous spouse, a righteous woman. And dua at the haram, al-umrah, al-hajj, arafah, when fasting in Ramadan, his salat, dua, oh Allah, grant me a righteous spouse. He says, until Allah Azza wa granted me a righteous woman that wasn't as pretty as his cousin. So he said, I married her. Months go by in their marriage. They're sleeping one night. And all of a sudden, he happens to open his eye. He wakes up in the middle of the night. As he woke up, he saw his wife in the corner of their room standing and praying. He says, by Allah, before this, I never knew that my wife gets up and prays at night. So he saw this scene and it imprinted in his mind 
Seems to be that his wife would get up from bed quietly, make wudu quietly, pray, all of, all, all of this, and he's sleeping. So he said, I closed my eyes and I continued to sleep. Wallah, look. He says, from any woman I saw in the street or at work, I would get turned off even if she was the prettiest woman. The image of my wife standing and praying would flash in front of me, and I cannot replace that for anything else. He was true with his intention with Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal gave him exactly that which he wanted. She wasn't as pretty, but now she filled his life just with that sight. The marriage from a righteous spouse is something that Al-Islam encouraged, encouraged deeply. You know, subhanAllah, today's problem, someone will come, he'll complain, Wallah, my wife doesn't pray Fajr, what do I do? Ya I don't know, what do I do? Yeah, I'll come, I'll wake up for you, Yani. What do I do? Why did you marry one that doesn't pray Fajr? Why did the sister marry a brother that doesn't pray Salat al-Fajr? Wasn't it easy to ask from the very beginning? Sorry, I, I don't want to enter, how, do you pray Fajr or not? Very simple. Very simple, before a person takes a job, he has an entire list of questions. He knows exactly what he wants and they're very detailed. But when it comes to marriage, things are all over the place. Even that is the first thing that is supposed to be in the minds and the, the perspective of people. So you have the correct intentions and you got married to the righteous spouse. Now, this is a righteous couple living together. Now, you need to understand that there are fundamentals that must be observed by this upright family in order to continue living a righteous marriage. There are fundamentals. This is what I want to share with you about three or four fundamental, fundamentals. Listen very carefully. This righteous spouse, husband and wife now got married. First and foremost, number one thing that must be on the mind of the husband and the wife is something known as al-mas'uliyah, responsibility. I'm going to explain to you what responsibility is. But what I mean by this is that if you're always aware of this word on the concept of responsibility, it'll always keep you on your feet and it'll encourage you and help you and inspire you to remain as an upright, righteous family. You see, my brothers and sisters in Islam, both the husband and the wife must know that they are responsible and they will be questioned by Allah about their responsibility on the Day of Judgment. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, all of you are shepherds, and all of you will be questioned about their flock. Mas'ul. You know the word mas'ul? What does mas'ul mean? Today, the word mas'ul excites some people. Mas'ul. He's become a manager. Mas'ul in the bank. Mas'ul at school. Right? So some people get excited with the word mas'ul, thinking like, ah, I've become something. Promotion, I've become a manager. Silly. The word mas'ul, it implies burden. It implies a struggle. It implies difficulty and hardship. Mas'ul, it comes from the word sa'al. Sa'al means to ask a question. Mas'ul meaning you'll be questioned on the day of judgment about your responsibility. Who's the questioner? Allah Azza wa Jal himself will question you. And anyone who will be questioned must prepare answers. 
النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تزول قدم عبد حتى يسأل عن أربع a person's two feet will not move until he is questioned about four matters these are four matters related to you like your wealth, your income, your health, your youth what did you do with that? <laughs> these, are, these are difficult enough the second batch of questions are responsibilities what about this person now? did you fulfill your rights to your spouse? Did you fulfill your rights with your children, with your neighbor, with your Muslim brothers and sisters? That these are came question after question. For this is why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then in that hadith he said, وَالرَّجُلُ فِي أَهْلِ بَيْتِهِ رَاعٍ وَهُوَ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَّتِهِ And the man, the father, is responsible. And he is a shepherd in his family, and he will be questioned about his flock on the day of judgment. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then he said وَالْمَرْأَةُ فِي بَيْتِ زَوْجِهَا رَاعِيَةٌ وَهِيَ مَسْؤُولَةٌ عَنْ رَعِيَتِهَا And the woman also, she is responsible. She is a shepherd in her husband's house and she will be questioned about the flock. Even now, you know, <clears throat> there's always this big question. I don't know, people made it a big question, but it's not. Who is it the responsibility of to raise children? So some say this is the responsibility of the father. He's supposed to raise the children. Then others will come and say, ah, this is the responsibility of a mother. She's the one who raises the child and feeds him and uh, changes his nappies and all of this. Wrong and wrong. Both the husband and the wife are responsible for their children. Both of them. Because of this hadith. The father is responsible as a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa And he'll be questioned. And the mother is responsible and she'll be questioned. This is why it's called parenting, not fathering or mothering, both father and mother. This is what they explain. Oh, we already have this in our deen, walhamdulillah. After this, the Nabi concluded that hadith by saying, فَكُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَتِهِ Why? Ya Rasulullah, he said the same words at the beginning of the hadith. Why they repeated? To emphasize. He said, you better all know. You are all shepherds, and you will be questioned about your flock. All of you. This is emphasis. Subhanallah. Ma'qil ibn Yasar radiallahu anhu narrates that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ma min abdin yastar'ihi allahu ra'iyyata yamutu yawma yamutu wa huwa ghashu li ra'iyyatih illa harram allahu alayhi al-jannah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, there is not a single person Meaning each and every single person who Allah Azza wa Jal gives him a flock in which he is responsible over. Meaning Allah provides you with a family. Now definitely you have become in a position of responsibility. Nabi Wasallam says, if a person dies, the day he dies, having deceived and betrayed and cheated his family. Meaning he did not uphold responsibility. He did not care about their education, their knowledge, their Qur'an, their Islam, their deen, and the thousands of responsibilities he has. If he dies in that state, the paradise is forbidden upon him. Meaning it's a major sin. A major sin to avoid your responsibility. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, as in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, inna allaha sa'ilun kullu ra'in amma star'ah. Allah azza wa jal will question every shepherd about his flock and that which he was responsible for. 
Did he uphold and fulfill the responsibility? Or he abandoned and neglected it? Then the Prophet says, To the point where even the man will be questioned about his family. And I want to explain this so that you can keep in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, in every side of your mind, and in your heart and in your conscience, and everyone in the house must know that I am going to be held accountable on the day of judgment. And a mas'ul, tough word, scary word. What are you going to say to Allah on the day of judgment? Ya Allah, I, I married a terrible woman. She didn't help me in my deen. What's the woman going to say? Ya Allah, I got married to a very bad man. Huh? Is this what you're going to say? It won't work. Because Allah Azza wa Jal, didn't he send a prophet to you who warned you and continued to advise you to marry the person of righteousness and religion? Why did you abandon and neglect that advice of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you can't come now and, and say I had a terrible spouse. Work on this very main matter. And that is responsibility. And then I tell you something. You are not only responsible for your family's food and drink and clothing, shelter, to take them to the doctor when they're sick, take them to the weekend soccer or kickboxing or other classes. Do this. But that's... That's not the main thing. Unfortunately, people think that this is the main thing I need to do as a father, as a mother. If I do these things and I drop off the kids at school and I do some homework with them and uh, I feed them and I keep you know, food in the fridge for them and I purchase clothing for them and I gift them from time to time, I'm, alhamdulillah, I'm done. You know? and, the, and, and, and the wife says, oh, well, I have a very, very good husband. A very good father for the children because he does one, two, three. This is part of your responsibility. It's not the big part. The greatest thing you'll be questioned about concerning your responsibility to your family is their religion, is their deen. This is why Allah in the Quran he says, Encourage and command and instruct your family to the prayer. This is Allah in the Quran telling us what we should do. This is the matter that was emphasized. Look after their, look after their righteousness and their religion. Allah praised Ismail alayhi salam. Ismail, the son of Ibrahim, who was a father. He praised him because وَكَانَ يَأْمُرُ أَهْلَهُ Allah the entire thing he praised about Ismail was the fact that he used to instruct his children to pray. Not because he fed his kids or he provided them a place to sleep. No. What Allah Azza wa Jal praised about Ismail He was always on top of his family instructing them to the prayer and to zakat, to the deen. This is what he was concerned for. Look at the story of Yaqub alayhi salam. He's on his deathbed dying. This is a prophet. Allah Azza wa Jal says, Am kuntum shuhada? Allah says, were you, were, you, were you present when Ya'qub was dying? No, of course we weren't. So listen, Allah will tell you what happened that day. Death presented itself to Ya'qub. He's in his final moments. He's about to die. His kids are around him. Among his kids are who? Prophets. Yusuf alayhi salam and others that are all righteous. You know what he said to them? مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِي 
my kids, what are you going to worship after my death? Allah, I'm dying in a few moments. What are you going to worship after my death? Had Yaqub salam's greatest concern in his life, when it comes to his children, was who will they worship after his death? His greatest concern was their religion. Because this Prophet of Allah knows that the first responsibility I have towards my family is their deen and uprightness. I'll be questioned about this on the Day of Judgment. Nothing else, I didn't care about the other stuff. Because if their deen is upright, their life becomes upright. They said, نَعْبُدُوا إِلَهَكُ وَإِلَهَ أَبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ We're going to worship one Lord and we will submit to him. Alhamdulillah. Beautiful. To hear this from your children at the moment of death, this is beautiful. This is why Islam legislated for us something called al-wasiyah. You know wasiyah, the will? Before you die, you should have a will. What's the will about? Someone tell me, what's the will about? This is what I wanted. This is a part of the will. Will is not about money. Now I don't know how this went around. Will is about your inheritance. What you own and who you owe, and what money you have, and what assets, this is nothing. This is something small of the will. Al-Wasiyah, it begins by you. What do you want to advise your family after your death? So you write, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. My dear children, my dear wife, worship Allah after I die. Commit to your salat after my death. Make sure you fast Ramadan. Behave as Muslims. This is the wasiyah. This is the main part of al-wasiyah. It's called wasiyah. Advice. What do you advise those after you? So that you can say, Oh Allah, I put in the wasiyah. I want them to commit to a deen. I don't know what they did after this. Now, you have some solid ground on the day of judgment to stand and answer. And when you're questioned by Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal, when he spoke about Luqman anhu in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal highlights his religious advice to his son. He taught him at Tawheed at the beginning, Ya Bunayya la tushrik billah. He taught him as-salat, Ya Bunayya aqim as-salat. And in the final advice, he taught him Islamic manners and etiquette and morals. Nothing else Allah Azza wa Jal highlighted. That's it. That's the entire life of Luqman. It's his religious advice to his son. Mm. What does that mean? Meaning this is your greatest responsibility. Khalas, you're supposed to understand it by now. Allah Azza wa he says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. O you who believe, save yourself and your families from a fire. How do you save yourself from the fire? By obeying Allah Azza wa How do you save your families from the fire? By teaching them. By teaching them the obligations and Islamic morals and manners. This is how you save them from the fire. This is what Al-Ulama As-Salaf Rahimahumullah mentioned. So as a result, the main, the main responsibility is their religion, their deen. And I'm going to give you here something. Uh, I'll tell you something. A few days ago, I met someone. A father. And his daughter was in the house. And I had seen her without the hijab. And she's in um, high school. So she's over the age of puberty. So I said, you know, the brother seems genuine. He seems good. 
I will open up the topic with him. As an advice, I don't mind just advice, and we move on. So I said to him, brother, please don't be upset. I need to ask you a question. This daughter of yours is over the age of puberty. Why doesn't she wear a hijab? He said, yeah, wallah, jazakallah khair. You know, subhanallah, um, he goes, uh, I, I, I had a long discussion with her mom. I had a discussion with my wife about this matter. And we said, you know what? The girl is bright, she's smart, she's growing up. She likes to understand things. I don't want to enforce the hijab upon her until she's convinced about it. MashaAllah, great answer. Allah, I said to him, beautiful. So you want her to be convinced? That's why you've left her. He said, yeah, beautiful. I said, I want to ask you a question. If the same daughter of yours came to you tonight and said to your dad, I don't feel like going to school tomorrow. I want to really study the matter and I want to be convinced before I go to school. What would you do? What would you do? Answer, what would you do? The, wallah, look, look there's, there's a difference between this and that. And I said, and tell me practically what are you going to do? Would you stand on top of her, make sure she's wearing all school clothes, breakfast in the car and go to school? Yes. Yeah, he said he'll do that. I said, yeah. I said, but how come for the hijab until she's convinced? He said, no, no, there's a difference between the two. I said, of course there's a difference. But the thing is, you didn't know which one was more important. I'll leave it at that, I said. You go and take what you like from it and understand what you want from it. Why is the attitude and approach to the matters related to Adin very flexible and relaxed? Didn't you know that you'll be questioned about her religious affairs and matters more than her worldly matters? So I tell you something. The attitude of instilling deen in our children is in us. It's within us. But we don't choose to have this approach and attitude in matters of religion. We choose to put this attitude and approach in worldly related matters. This is what happens. If your child sat and didn't want to go to school, you enforce him to go to school. Whereas the same child, the same day he sat and did not pray, I let him until he's convinced. Allah, until she's convinced about al-hijab. I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is go back to your own attitude and approach that Allah put within you and you'll find out that you're able to do something about their religious affairs and matters. Wallah. My brothers and sisters in Islam, imagine. Imagine you're in your house and a fire just starts in your house and your kids are right in front of you. What do you do? What do you do? You sit down and say, well, we're just going to be, we're going to sit here until we're convinced this fire is going to burn us. Then we'll decide to walk out. Look if they're sleeping. And if you hated your wife, you'll pick her up and walk out with her. The one who misses Salat al-Fajr, he is exposing himself to the punishment of Allah. This is why Allah said, أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَهْلِيكُمْ نَارًا Save yourself and your family from a fire. He mentioned it and then he described it. So that you can always picture in your mind a fire, a literal fire. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't, it hasn't come in our time, but it's already prepared. We ask Allah to save us. So that's the main, main matter. This is what you need to teach. And then if you succeed in this, you'll have success and joy in this life, in your grave. And it even gets better on the day of judgment when you see the results. 
You know, uh, people today, um, they don't teach their children the Quran. They don't send them to Islamic schools and colleges. They don't. Uh, some would say, Allah, I sent my son to a Quran school. He came back crying. The sheikh is horrible. The school is horrible. I don't like it. My son's going to get traumatized. So that's why I didn't send him there anymore. Take it. Same kid. When they took him to kindergarten and he was in the class crying, the mother's standing outside holding her heart, crying as well. Oh, leave him. Leave him. And she walks off and she goes, why? Because this is school, education. But he'll get more traumatized. Take him home with you as well. The approach is there. The attitude is there. But the priority is on the tayf. We've prioritized the worldly life over the matters of the afterlife. Teach your children the Quran. It's a responsibility. Yes. Take him. Comes back home crying. Doesn't matter. There is no one who was taught the Quran from when he was young and grew older and said, I hated what my parents did. That doesn't exist. Those T's, you need to toughen up in front of them. And your emotions need to toughen up in front of them. And with love and with care and with compassion, you take your children to the Quran school, to the Islamic school, even if they hate it. You stay on top of them for this matter. There was a man that came to Umar radiallahu anhu. He said, Ya Umar, my son is a terrible boy. He's severed ties with me. He's cut me. He's, he's a distraction at home. Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, uh, he said, call the kid to me. He called the kid. This kid came to Umar radiallahu anhu. He says, Ya Umar, do I have a right over my father? He said, yes. What's my right over my father? He said, your right is that your father is supposed to choose a righteous mother for you. That is before marriage. He's supposed to give you a good name. Choose a nice name for you. And he's supposed to teach you the Quran. So he said, Wallahi Umar, my father didn't choose a really righteous woman for me. He gave me a name that means an insect. And he did not teach me the Quran. Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, to the man, you're coming to complain about the misbehavior of your child too, when you have misbehaved to him before he was born? And he dismissed the case. This is what you did for yourself. You know, there's Imam Sahnoon, who is يعني, a great student of Imam Malik. He was told about a man who had seven children, and he did not teach any of them the Quran. You know what Imam Sahnoon said? He said, that father must be jailed. Allahu Akbar. Imagine if Sahnoon was among us today. How many around the world would be jailed according to him? Many. Many. Now, Faithan, this is the first matter. Responsibility. How much time we have, subhanAllah? Oh, Second matter. So this is the first, yeah? You got it? Responsibility. It's got to be on the top of your mind. If you are always conscious of your responsibility, this will contribute to an upright, healthy, righteous family. Number two, the husband and the wife must encourage one another upon the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. Must. 
if the husband and the wife do not encourage each other upon the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, righteousness is going to fade away. Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu narrated that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, may Allah have mercy upon a man who got up at night and prayed and woke up his wife to pray at night with him. And if she refused, he would sprinkle water in her face. And may Allah have mercy upon a woman who got up and prayed at night and woke her husband up. And if he didn't get up, she sprayed, sprayed water in his face. Rahimah. Allah Azza wa has mercy upon this couple. In the hadith we learn very clearly that husband and wife are to encourage one another upon the worship of Allah Azza wa Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu narrated that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا أَيْقَضَ الرَّجُلُ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَصَلَّيَا أَوْ صَلَّى رَكْعَتَيْنِ جَمِيعًا كُتِبَا فِي الذَّاكِرِينَ وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ If a man and his wife prayed two rak'at at night, two, two, five minutes before you sleep, husband and wife, then they are written with Allah Azza wa Jal from, from among those who remember Allah much. For husband and wife praying two rak'at together. A deen encouraged that the husband and wife must encourage one another upon the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is not only a like a hadith. Even when you zoom into the house of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you find him implementing his own advice. Al-Hadith is in Sahih Muslim. Aisha radiyallahu anha, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu she narrates that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to pray at night. And then when he used to pray al-witr, he would say, Qumi fa'awtiri ya Aisha. He would nudge her foot and he would say, Ya Aisha, get up and pray al-witr. He is a husband encouraging his wife upon the worship of Allah azza wa jal. If you do not encourage one another upon the worship of Allah, righteousness in that family is going to dwindle and fade away. And this is a fundamental. To keep a family together, strong upon the worship of Allah, husband and wife and family must encourage one another upon the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu, son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrates, he says, uh, this is in Sahih Ibn Nasai, and it's Sahih, Hadith Sahih. Ali radiallahu anhu says that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entered upon me and Fatima as we were asleep. Fatima is who? The daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَأَيْقَضَنَا لِلصَّلَاةِ Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Fatima alayhi, wake up and pray. This is at night. Shuf, the encouragement upon the worship. So then, uh, Nabi sallallahu left, went back to his house and began to pray and he prayed a long night. فَلَمْ يَسْمَعْ لَنَا حِسًا He did not hear any noise coming from Ali and Fatima's house. What's happening? I woke them up, but it looks like when they went back to sleep. فَالنَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ went back after a long night of salat and entered their home and he found them asleep. فَالنَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ he said, قُمَا فَصَلِّيَا get up and pray. فَعَلِي رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ got up. Uh, he says, وَأَعْرُكُ عَيْنَيْهِ he was rubbing his eyes. He's woken up. He says, uh, in, uh, he says to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم إِنَّا وَاللَّهُ مَا نُصَلِّ إِلَّا مَا كُتِبَ لَنَا 
He says, Ya Rasulullah, we're only going to pray what is decreed and written for us. And our souls is in the hands of Allah and maybe it wasn't decreed for me to pray. The Nabi Sallallahu heard this. And he tapped on his thigh and he said, ما نصلي إلا ما كتب لنا وكان الإنسان أكثر شيء جدلا يعني as though the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi he couldn't believe this excuse. He said, this is what you're going to say? Are you going to say we only pray what is written for us? I only pray what is written for us? And the human being continues to argue. And he walked off. But the idea is the encouragement of the family among each other to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. And this will play a positive role in the upbringing of your children. If the children see the father and the mother encouraging one another upon the worship of Allah, Wallahi, this is going to have a special, incredible effect upon the children. And not only in prayer, also in other matters. Sadaqat, you take your children, you give him some money so he can give a sadaqah. And I know a person, he, he, he was never encouraged to give sadaqah in his life from when he was young. Now he's old. And his friend, he says to me that they try to encourage him. He says, Wallah, he tells me hundreds of ahadith and ayat in the virtue of giving sadaqah. He goes, I know, I know the virtue of sadaqah, but every time I, it does his struggles. I can't bring out anything and give it fi sabilillah. The effect of not encouraging one another when the children are young upon the worship of Allah Azzawajal. They begin to struggle later on. For this is really important to maintain a righteous family. Number three. Number three. I would have mentioned this at the beginning. Because it's equally as important, but responsibility comes first. This one. Al-mu'amalatu bi-husni al-khuluq. The husband and the wife must deal with each other in the best of manners. It's because it's back, that's why. In the best of manners. You all know hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's the hadith that comes to mind when we say this point? Uh, yalla, hurry up. What's the hadith about manners in the husband and the wife? Oh, oh, everyone knows it. MashaAllah. Khayrukum khayrukum li ahli wa ana khayrukum li ahli. The best of you are those who are best to their wives. And I am the best to my wives. Naam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was an example in this. Let me tell you something. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu, he said, the foundation of a man is his intellect. This is what gives you your foundation here, your intellect. And his honor is his religion. And his manhood is in his character. This is manhood. But there's a lot of talk today about what a man is, masculinity, what else do they use? Well, toxic masculinity. All these words. And, and wallah, I'm new to these words. But this is what goes around. We don't need all of that. Here. Umar radiallahu anhu is telling us what a man is. We don't need lessons and lectures. We just need one statement of Umar radiallahu anhu. Manhood is good character. This is what he says. Look, Khadija radiallahu anha, when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was given wahi, and he was very terrified and scared and ran back to his house. This is in Mecca in the early years. She came to him and uh, he expressed his fee to Khadija. And she said to him, she didn't say to him, look, it's not my problem, deal with it. She, she actually said to him, Allah will never humiliate you. You are someone who looks after the poor, after the needy, you entertain your guest. 
MashaAllah, great character, great morals. This is who Rasulullah was, great character and morals. I'll give you a story. I, I need to give you this story. You have to listen to it. The story of Abu Zara and Umm Zara. Has anyone ever heard of it? This is in Sahih al-Bukhari. I narrated for the benefit that's in it about good manners. Watch the positive effect of good manners. There were 11 women. This is in Sahih al-Bukhari narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha and she's speaking this to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 11 women in Mecca gathered with Aisha radiallahu anha next to the Kaaba. And 11 of them promised that they will speak about their husbands. If he's good, they praise him. If he has some bad qualities, we're going to go all out and speak about his bad qualities. So all of them spoke, the first one, the second, until the tenth. Some praised, some didn't praise, and whatever the reality of that husband was, they spoke. Now it's the eleventh one. She says, Zawji Abu Zara'in wa ma Abu Zara. She says, my husband, his name is Abu Zara. And what an Abu Zara this was. Listen now, listen, listen. She says, Anasa min huliyin udhuni. He filled my ears with gold. My ears about to fall off. With how much gold he put on it. Anasa min huliyin udhuni. Wa min shahmin abudi. And he filled my limbs with flesh and meat. Meaning he fed me so good. Wajadani fi ahli ghunaymatin bishiqin. Faja'alani fi ahli sahilin wa atitin wa da'inis wa da'isin wa munaqin. He said, my husband found me among a poor family. He used to raise sheep. So he moved me from a poor family to a wealthy family that looked after camels and horses and so on. He satisfied me and pleased me so much that I became so proud and happy of myself. When I lived with him, I'd speak what I want and I never ever am insulted or put down or mocked or abused. MashaAllah. Listen to what he says. She says now, she continues to say, what's the spin at the end, but she continues to say, I sleep the night, I wake up in the morning, no one bothers me. Unlike today, get up. And I drink and drink and drink until I'm full. Then she said, the father of Abu Zara, what a beautiful man my father-in-law was. What a beautiful woman my mother-in-law was. She says, speaks about Abu Zara's children, how excellent they were. She speaks about Abu Zara's slaves. Oh, these were people unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Now listen to this. She praised him. She didn't have except good words. She says, one day, Abu Zara, and Nabi Sallallahu is listening to the story. He walked out of his house and it was time to milk the cattle. So she says, Abu Zara, his eyes fell on a woman that was milking the cattle. And she had two children, like leopards, meaning young, beautiful, beautiful looking Arabian children. She says, He divorced me. And he married her. Then she says, so I married a man after him. He was good and all that, but he does not compare to Abu Zara. This is what she said. At the end, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ya Aisha, qad kuntu laki ka'aba zar'in li'umm zar'in ghayra annahu tallaqaha wa lam utallikki. He said, Ya Aisha, from the 11 women that you mentioned, I am to you like Abu Zara. 
Nabi is comparing himself to Abu Zarr, of course, and he's better than that. But he said the only difference is that he divorced for that woman that he was impressed by, and I did not divorce him. And I want to tell you this. He divorced her because he saw a beautiful looking woman milking a sheep or a cow, whatever it is. But the surprising thing is that when this woman, Umm Zara, maybe she was hurt by this, yeah, look what her husband did. She did not dare to say a single bad word about him when she was narrating who he was. Yeah, now, if, I am, if a woman comes to me today and says to me, my husband divorced me because he saw some other woman he loved, and then she wanted to praise her husband, I'd say you're a liar. Because this is impossible. How can praise her husband and not find a single word to fault him with when he has done what he has done with her? Even this Umm Zara is a special occasion. Once a lifetime doesn't come again. But I tell you something. What did Abu Zara do? What did Abu Zara do to the point where even if he had hurt her with what he did, she still couldn't find a bad word? I'm telling you. Good manners, good character, it's gonna do a life changer. It's a life changer in a marriage. Wallahi it is. And these are not these are not stories made up. These are real people. This is what happened. Well, this is what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself encouraged. Naam. Incredible. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam with Aisha, she would eat from meat. And he would put his hand in the same place she ate from the meat and ate from it. She would drink from a cup and he'll take it and purposely in front of her, turn the cup to where her lip was on and he'll drink from it. Hadith Sahih. Why is Aisha narrating this for? It had a big effect on her. It's a small thing. Good manners. I told you manhood is in character. It's in manners. Aisha radiallahu anha narrates and says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was out. We were in battle. He told the entire army, move forward, go, go, go. And then he said to Aisha, come, let's, I want to race you. And he raced her. And she beat him. And then she forgot. Later on, when they were on the same exact event and they were on a travel and same scenario happened to be the case, he said to the army, go forward. He said, let me race you. Yeah, all right. And, and she says, um, and I put on some weight by then I don't think in the weight Kilos What weight did they put on there? A few grams maybe She says and You read this In our context you'd think like You know She put on some K, KGs That wasn't the case GM Grams he, She says then he raced me and he beat me this time. And he said to her, Ya Aisha, one for one. And she had forgotten about the previous event. Allahu Akbar. That is your messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The busiest man on earth with, with the greatest mission on earth. His mission continues to live until this day. Excellent role model in how a husband should behave with his wife at home. Today, I'll tell you something. There's a lot of discussion as to does the wife have to serve the husband? Does she have to cook and clean for him? You know, this is a controversial topic, yeah? It always comes up. The big question, does a wife have to serve her husband? I, I'm not going to answer it. But I'm going to tell you, by Allah, I do not doubt 
that a woman would happily serve her husband if he was like Abu Zara. No doubt. No, then you don't need this discussion anymore. Whether uh, is it wajib, is it obligatory, is it recommended? What's the case here? Does she have to serve him? Well, don't worry about this. Have good manners. Have good manners. You sit on the table, you eat, pick up the plates, take him to the kitchen. One only takes five or ten seconds. But that's good manners. It's hard. Wallah it is. But it's hard because we've made it hard. And we're not used to it. And so we feel like girls and women if we did that. But that's completely wrong. Wallahi it is wrong. It is far away from the, from the guidance of the messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The wife cooked a good meal. Jazakumullahu khayra. May Allah reward you. Ah, how long did that take? Less than two seconds. But its effect is going to be long-lasting. Long-lasting happiness and pleasure to serve her husband. But, you know, we make things difficult when we avoid good manners. The most deserving people of your good manners are your family. When, you're good, when you have good manners to your friends and your mates and those around you, and you don't have it in the family, what, yeah, I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, what does it mean? Don't, don't you feel guilt from the inside? Don't you feel shocking from the inside, dirty from the inside? I gave the best of my manners to my mates, and I spent on them, and I gave them time and time. Wallah, you know, I remembered when Sheikh Muhammad was here, he mentioned about something that people spend millions, yeah, on their family to, for happiness, and, you know, I had someone that told me the same thing. He says, Wallah, I have spent thousands on my wife, shopping, cars, travels, clothing, bags, food, restaurants, and she's still not happy. At the time when he told me that, Wallahi, I did not, I not know what to say. A few moments later, I was walking with my own wife, and I remembered an ayah. And I said, oh, subhanallah, this ayah fits in this context 100%. What's the ayah? Listen to this. Allah Azza wa says, لو أنفقت ما في الأرض جميعا ما ألفت بين قلوبهم ولكن الله ألف بينهم. Allah Azza wa Jal is speaking about the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's saying to him, O Messenger of Allah, if you spent the wealth of the world to bring the companions together, you would have never brought them together. Can the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spends the money of the world on the companions he couldn't have brought them together? What brought them together in the manner they were brought together? Allah instilled love between them and they were close to each other. What does that mean? If you spent the world's money on your wife, do you think you're going to buy her happiness? That doesn't happen like that. You don't buy happiness with money. You're going to buy her happiness with good manners. By making dua to Allah by asking, Oh Allah, bring our hearts closer to each other, like Allah says. It's not the money that brought them together. Because money's not going to bring anyone together. Look at the politicians. They pay people to come and vote for them. The people that, 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 that don't vote for them because they love them, they're there for the money. They're there for the money. If the politician doesn't have large amounts bringing people over and tickets and buying them to vote for them, no one will vote for them. You cannot buy a person's love and happiness with money. You cannot buy it. You will buy it with good manners. And asking Allah Azza wa Jal to mend the hearts and bring them together. 
Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was giving a khutbah one day. Well, Hassan and Hussein entered. Hassan and Hussein are who? They are the grandsons of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know what happened? They entered and they were where? And when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was giving a khutbah, this is a Friday, serious event. And they were wearing a red dress, both of them. Uh, they were jumping in between the people, young boys. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know what he did? The narration says, فَنَزَلَ مِنَ الْمِنْبَرِ He walked down the minbar and he rushed to them and he carried them and he put them in his hand. And then he said, صَدَقَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ Allah and his messenger have spoken the truth. إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ Your wealth and your children are a big fitna. He says, نَظَرْتُ And then he's saying, as he's doing it, this is a khutbah, he cut the khutbah. He went down, he did this, and he said fitna. And then you know what he said? He said to the people, I looked at these two children of mine. They were jumping around in between the lines. Falam asbir. I couldn't control myself. I didn't have patience. Hatta qata'at until I cut my hadith, my khutbah. And I raised them. Good manners. Good manners with the children. This is important. This, this is a khutbah. What, what is he going to teach you? When you walk into your house, you see your children, run to them and hug them and hold them and kiss them and touch them, touch their face, their cheeks. That physical contact is very important. This is psychology, they say. Don't worry about it. Here. Here. He held them, meaning there was physical contact. I don't need to read it from anywhere else. I don't need to be th- pay thousands of dollars. How to earn and achieve a successful marriage. Thousand dollars in the city. What for? It's all here. Character with the family. This will keep the family upright, steadfast, firm upon the deen of Allah. Allah loves that family. Imagine that. Your good manners are loved by Allah. Are loved by the people. Everyone loves good manners. Even your enemy loves good manners. There are people that hate you to death, but they will not dare speak a bad word about you because of your good manners to them in the past. Heck, this is how Allah created humans. They love good manners from whoever it is. Now, for we need to be conscious of this matter. Look at hadith Anas radiallahu anhu. Anas radiallahu anhu, he says that the believers, when they enter the paradise, a wind from the north blows on their face and their clothing. And it increases them in beauty. They look much more beautiful than just before that wind blew on their face. So they go back to their homes, to where their wives are in the paradise. And the wives have also increased in prettiness and beauty. So then the wives would say to their husbands, Wallah, laqad izdattum husnan wa jamala. By Allah, you look more beautiful and pretty today. And the husbands would say to the wives in the paradise, by Allah, you also have increased in beauty and prettiness. Saying to your wife, you look good. The wife saying to your husband, you look good. This is the quality of people of the paradise. And uh, you want to be from the people of the paradise? Then practice their qualities. This is a hadith sahih. A man would say to his wife, in the paradise, you look pretty and beautiful today. Why don't you do this in this worldly life? If you look forward to going to the paradise, then get used to the words. Because this is what the people of the paradise would say. 
The paradise is reserved for people of high manners, etiquette, class. You part of them or not? Do their works. The people of the hellfire, they are nowhere near to the people of the paradise. Make a distinction between you and the people of the hellfire. Show me, show me that you're people of the paradise. Do their qualities, do their works. Have class, have manners. Aye, manners we need. We need to come close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his manners and how he dealt with his wife. And all his wife sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These are not just fairy tales and fancy stories and romance and so on. This contributes to your deen, it contributes to your iman. It contributes to the righteousness of a family. Wallah! Not love stories and fake rubbish. This is, this is real. This is how the believer should behave with his family. The more we're far away from this, well, when you see the marriage crumbling, don't blame anyone but yourself. And you know, when husband and wife call me today, I love asking this question the first thing. Husband and wife complaining. I don't do that anymore because I live overseas. But I remember, and when I get calls here and there, I don't want to. I, wallahi, I'm not sick of it. I do not want to do this anymore. But I do this for this question that I'm going to share with you. The first thing I ask the husband and the wife, wait, before you tell me your problem, tell me five things you love and adore about your husband's character. Now, tell me five things. And I say to the wife as well, wait. I say to the husband, wait, wait. Before you tell me your problem, I, because really I'm not interested. I'm interested in this question. Tell me five things that you love about your wife of her good and great character and morals and etiquette, the class of her, tell me. She can't tell me anything. Wallah, I'm not interested. Because go, fix your character. And then you'll find that the problems will just all of a sudden disappear. See how important it is? Wallah, it's important. Anyway. Uh, what do we have? That's it. Khalas. Khalas. Khalas, we're finished. Jazakumullahu khairan. There's still a bit more. We'll leave that for next time. This is plenty, bi'ithnillah, to get you going on a, a track that is pleasing to Allah Azza wa Jal. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept from us. We ask Him subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our sins and our shortcomings. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to place barakah and peace and tranquility in our marriages. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.